Welcome back to Streamageddon, and it's time, yes, for our annual Streaming Superlatives Spectacular. I am your Masters of Ceremonies, Chris Barlow, and I am joined by the other Masters of the Ceremonies, Diane Nora. How are you doing, Diane? Happy almost New Year. I'm ready for some champagne. Oh, more champagne indeed, because this is the very special episode where we celebrate the highest highs and the lowest lows and the just generally confusing in-betweens of 2023 in streaming. If you've ever had a yearbook, it's a lot like that, except in December. We're going to go through some class clowns, some uh, miscongenialities, if you will, and we will make one prediction for 2024 to just steal something from Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. Thank you very much. Oh, they didn't invent predictions. They invented them on podcasts. No one on a podcast had ever predicted anything before that. But don't worry, we have our own bespoke sound effect for when we get there. Because no one has ever used that sound effect ever in the history of podcasts. Except maybe Kumail Nanjiani. But anyway, we are here to talk about some of the biggest events shows, and yes, characters in the streaming universe. And we are going to begin with some of our uh, yearbook-themed categories. I, I love these. And this year, because it was the year of ChatGPT, I took our existing list and I brought it to ChatGPT. And I said, hey, giant algorithm, will you spit back some more content like this? And wouldn't you know it, the giant algorithm did. So we have some returning favorite categories, plus some new favorite categories. And all of them have been regurgitated after being ingested by our future overlords. Oh, dear. Let's oh, go. Oh, dear. Let's go, indeed. <laughs> We're going to begin with one of my uh, favorite categories. And this one, I'm curious how we each interpreted this. The category is... Life of the party. Diane, who was the 2023 life of your party? So I chose a, a real life example. Um, and I went with uh, Mr. Drew Carey, who uh, is estimated to have spent between 600 grand and $2 million of his personal wealth to uh, feed writers during the writer strike to feed WGA members by having an open tab at two LA restaurants. Um, I just think that is uh, such an act of generosity. And for me, it sort of um, embodies the positives of the year. So um, hats off to you, Drew Carey, Cleveland Rocks. Ah, I love that choice. And I'm going to play this sound effect because it's Drew Carey themed, not because it's how I feel about Drew Carey. Again, love Drew. But that sound effect is more for me and how I interpreted this question because my answer is succession. Succession was the 2023 life of the party because it's what everybody talked about until it ended and then we all stopped talking about it. Oh, I was having trouble not choosing succession for almost every category, Chris, because it really did dominate in so many ways. So excited for more succession talk to come. I think you made a great choice. Thank you so much. In that case, we will move right along to category number two. This one we're calling the class sweetheart. Uh, Diane, who was your class sweetheart this year? 
My class sweetheart was uh, John Wilson of How To oh. with John Wilson, streaming on Max, uh, an HBO show. Um, I think that he embodies like real kindness to me and not just like some sort of superficial TV niceness in the sense that he tells you what you want to hear. I think one of the things I really like about his show is that sometimes he shows you ugliness and things you don't really want to look at, but he does so, it seems to me, out of a, a certain um, like internal goodness. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, my, my sweetheart of the year was John Wilson. That is that touches me to my soul. I wish I had thought about that question so deeply. Uh, I did not think about the class sweetheart nearly as literally as you did. I just chose Peacock's Poker Face. Why did I choose Peacock's Poker Face? Because I love it, but it's not the best show of the year. So it's my class sweetheart. I get that. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a great choice. Well, thank you so much for saying that, even if your answer was definitively better. But then we can move on to yet another class-related category. This one, the class clown. Uh, I'll go first this time. My class clown choice, also streamable on the Max app. It's the other two. I love that show. It ended this year. And it is, if I look back on the year, perhaps the show I laughed the hardest at. It's such a funny show. I think that's a great choice. Um, season three, I think, in a lot of ways, elevated the first two seasons. And what a terrific ensemble. Great, truly. Great choice. Truly. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. What about to you? For me, the class clown this year was the ensemble of jury duty. I think that they were giving a sort of comedy that was really broad in the sense that it kind of harkened back to actual clowning, um, thinking of the character who kept making the inventions with the um, pants that were also a chair. (laughs) You know, it's just just that sort of broad, silly comedy um, that I think in some ways um this year a stupid comedy is back in a big way and i'm for it you know i am for that as well i did not get as into jury duty as you did but it did get nominated for a golden globe for best comedy series and you made a compelling case to me that it should be whereas i (laughs) said this is not a comedy it's a weird candid camera show but no diane you are right it is a comedy it is clowning and it deserves to be a class clown Aw, thanks. All right. Now, one of my all-time favorite categories, best couple. Diane, I want you to go first on this one. I'm excited about my choice. I really want to know yours, though. I wonder if we have the same choice. Uh, I, I, I deliberated between a few, but I landed on um, Nero and Sporus, the disgusting brothers themselves, uh, Tom Lomskans and Gregory Hirsch of HBO's Succession. Uh, not a couple in the traditional sense, though in many senses a couple in the traditional sense. Uh, I love the journey that they went on together, and um, their their conclusion this season was really satisfying to me. I, I'm, I'm just delighted with it. Can't wow, wait to rewatch. Actually, that is a great, great answer. I uh, thought about Succession for a moment here, but as a longtime Roman and Jerry stan, this season mm. was not for me in the couple sense. Uh, so instead... Oh, I went, slime puppies. Oh, uh-huh, my slime puppies. I went a different direction then. 
and I turned to Netflix, and my best couple is Stephen Nguyen and Ali Wong from Beef. Ooh, I love it, the feuding couple. Yes, it might not be love, but it's passion. Oh, it really is, yeah. And what two just firecracker performances. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. And I enjoyed reminding myself from that show now months and months and months ago of how electric those performances were and how anytime they were in a scene together, it just exponentially grew. Oh, yeah. I need to revisit that show. Thanks for the reminder. Oh, anytime. But you know what? I want to move on. Uh, to a category we came up with last year that I absolutely overthink every time now. We call it the best glow-up. And you can interpret that category any way you choose. I I chose to interpret it this way. My favorite show that has returned in in better form than I ever would have expected. The best growth. And in this case... It's sort of a return to form. It's a show we discussed recently. It's FX's on Hulu's Fargo Season 5. I think that's a really solid choice. I chose it for a, a similar category later. So, mm. yeah. I, any, but I, I did... I For me, The Glow Up um, was a show that I think had more room to improve from its uh, initial outing, which was Frasier 2023. Um, I yes. kept watching. I it wasn't it wasn't obviously a glow up compared to Fraser the original series. Important <laughs> nor distinction. Any, nor a glow up from any other Fraser outings as a TV character. But um, the first couple episodes of Fraser that we reviewed, I think, are the worst that they've put out so far on Paramount Plus, and I think it's gotten a lot better i've been watching and laughing and uh it's just sort of easy enjoyable viewing in what i want a sitcom to be so for me that was that was a a significant glow up from those first couple episodes which were a slog to be honest i'll give you that one with a with a sound effect to seal the deal i have not finished getting caught up on Fraser 2023, but you are not the only person who has told me I need to, and I want it to be better. And so I am willing to embrace that answer. You might even say, I'm listening. <laughs> and speaking of listening, you can listen to us, dear listener, talk about a category that I couldn't decide on the name of this year. So we're calling it best hair and or best dressed. Take your pick. Uh, Diane, where did you go with this? So for me, this one is best hair and best dressed uh, because she always looks perfect. And I chose um, Meghan Markle as Rachel Zane on Suits. I know that Suits didn't come out this year, but it was a surprise hit on Netflix uh, and hopefully a sign of things to come for the TV industry. Um, Give me a juicy, easy viewing show with a 22 episode season please 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 um and i hadn't seen the show before this year i found her character to just be a a delight to watch i couldn't take my eyes off her i had no idea the princess was so talented uh so 
Megan, she, she's my winner. Oh, I love that. It's extremely 2023 to pick anything Suits related. <laughs> uh, I, because uh, I could not decide on what to call this category, also could not decide on my answer for this category. So I have two specific answers for you. Uh, we'll start with quote unquote best hair. I give that to HBO's The Last of Us in that the mushroom people are really oh. something. Let me tell you. they are. Those are, in a time of so much bad CGI on oh, TV, yeah. that show looks outstanding. Well, then, best dressed, I interpreted as best set dressing, and I gave it to Loki, another show which admittedly has some CGI romps. But I, I love the comparison to The Last of Us, two shows that made a point of having lots of physical, tangible stuff. And that really made those worlds feel lived in and unique and exciting. Oh, I think those are great choices. I like that we went a really different way with this one. Oh my gosh, I, I do too, Diane, which is why we refuse to share our answers with each other before we record. That brings us to a yearbook classic, Diane, a category called Most Likely to Succeed. This year... I went for an easy one, The Golden Bachelor. I think we just saw the Aww. birth of a new franchise. I think so. Yeah, I, I think I think those kids are going places. I think so too, even if those places might be the early bird special. So, we're recording this a little bit before it comes out. So, by the time this has come out, I may have proven correct or incorrect, but I feel confident in my choice. Uh, my most likely to succeed was Barbie, the movie, which is coming to HBO Max. Nope, it's coming to Max. The Max app. <laughs> it's coming to the Max app on December 15th. Uh, it was a hit in theaters. I think it'll be a hit at home, too. And I it, think this it, is. It is also nominated for three original songs at the Golden Globes this year. Yeah, who who could ever manage with just one? I know. Give it, give it to them all. And then also give Jack Black's Bowser song something. They're all winners in my book. It's enough. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. Then we have to discuss a category that I believe is new this year. Didn't check my notes. The Returning Champion. And again, interpret this as you will, but I know how I interpreted it, Diane. I picked a show. What did you pick? I changed my answer on this a few times, so I'm surprised to read what I have written down here. But I ended up landing on a character because I wanted to mention this show at some point. Uh, I chose Cousin, Richie Jeremovich on FX's, on Hulu's The Bear. Uh, oh, yeah. Evan Moss Backrack's cousin. Um, I thought that he had a really great sophomore outing with this season. Um, I love where his character has developed from just a hothead to something more complex and interesting. Um, there were some points of the second season that didn't totally land for me, but I think overall it's one of the best shows on right now. So I wanted to give it some love in our superlatives. Oh, I think that's a great choice. Uh, a spoiler alert, I do not have the bear anywhere on my list of superlatives, but had I taken a moment to think about Cousin, I might have him somewhere on this list. So, bravo. But you know what I do have on this list for returning champion? The entire clan of what we do in the shadows. Because I was so delighted to have that show back, and it reminds me that every outing with those Staten Island vampires makes me smile. 
yeah, it gets better and better and funnier and funnier. Hard to do on on a fifth season. Truly. And uh, speaking of, uh, let's say, hard to do, it is hard for us as the podcasters of this show to review everything we want to review. And that's why this year we introduced one more very yearbook category, except also it's the name of a classic comedy. It's miscongeniality. But don't let that uh, convince you that we are referring to just Sandra Bullock vehicles here. We are referring to what is the best thing we watched this year that we didn't get around to telling you about on the podcast. We're so sorry. Uh, I have a really strong answer, but I want to know what your arguably stronger answer is, Diane. I don't know if you have watched this show, but I know you know it. Um, I chose Reservation Dogs, which is on Hulu. It's uh, a really great show it's on its final season, and um, just the, the performances are excellent. I don't know why we haven't reviewed it on here. I think just we've been busy, and there's lots to talk about when it comes to streaming TV. Um, but it's a show that manages to say something while still being funny. So many of the lauded comedies are not comedies, and it's actually a comedy, but it also has a lot to say. I love it, and um, I can't wait to see uh, the rest of it. I haven't finished it yet, so I'm enjoying it right now. What's your choice? I was right. Your answer was very strong, and I'm a little self-conscious, but I'm going to thread this needle by saying my choice. Also a comedy that is actually funny, but has more to say than we thought when it originally premiered. This comedy just had its second season, and we did not get around to reviewing it. It is Our Flag Means Death. Oh, I love those pirates. I do too. And it was the first season was a funny pirate show that turned into a queer love story. And that surprise, I worried, would wear off or feel... Uh, somehow tainted by a second season that needed to continue the conflict. And instead, I found the second season to be both heartwarming and kind of anxiety-inducing in some moments when I was worried that that their love would fall apart. I, I was so happy with it, and I am so worried that David Zaslav has already canceled it, and we don't know yet. Oh, I'm part of the problem I haven't watched yet. Okay, this is a good reminder that I really want to see the new season of Our Flag Means Death and that I really want to watch a third season after a second season. So come on, Zaz, do us a solid, please. We can get there. We can get there. And you know where else we can get? To our next set of superlatives, which move into, let's say, some of the best of the years. Beginning with the throwback of the year. And again, interpret this as you will, but I made a choice here. I'll, I'll go first this time. I chose Futurama, one of my favorite throwbacks, a 25 almost year old TV show that returned to Hulu. And uh, while, listen, it was not their best season of Futurama, it was a good season of Futurama. And it kind of felt like putting an old t-shirt back on. A shirt that uh, feels perfect, even if it's a little worse for wear. I love that. I haven't watched yet. um, But that's a show whenever it's on that I'm like, oh, right, this is very funny. I should watch it. I'm glad it's back in in good form. 
in good form, and as we mentioned about a month ago, renewed already, so there are three more seasons of Hulu Futurama in our future Rama. But what did you pick, Diane? I, I couldn't resist. I, I chose Fargo. I'm yes. so glad it's back. And I also think that it's interesting for throwback because it's a show that does both the past past and the recent past really well. Actually, really well said. And again, we talked recently about Fargo and how impressive it is that it can treat pretty recent history as a period piece almost in a really satisfying way. Still loving season five of Fargo. Mm. Yeah, I can't wait for the next episode. Mm. Well, I I am going to pivot on that mention of Fargo to our next category, which is Franchise of the Year. I almost chose Fargo for this because it is a franchise and it is maybe my favorite franchise of the year. But I thought a little more broadly about the franchises and then I realized there's one giant galactic franchise that really nailed it this year. And of course, it's the galaxy right here in Star Trek. Oh, yeah, Star Trek is good again. That's so awesome. That is such a good I'm way really to put it. I'm really happy for the Trekkies in my life. And I, I get closer to being among you every day. Um, yeah, it's wonderful news. Great season of Strange New Worlds. A, a musical episode of Strange New Worlds. A crossover with their excellent cartoon series, Lower Decks, in which Tawny Newsom and Jack Quaid become live-action versions of their character. And... The, the crossover nails the mix of tones. I am so impressed at the things they pulled off this season. Oh, that's that's just great. I went in a more boring direction, I think, with this one. Uh, I, I chose The Bachelor. I think they're making good strides. It, <laughs> they're, they're making money. Uh, they're making wedding specials. And, uh, and it was great. I thought I did not like this franchise, and it turns out I do. Same, actually. Excellent choice. I had had not even occurred to me, because I had already chosen them for an earlier category, that they are such a perfect choice for best franchise. But speaking of things that surprise me, Diane, our next category is Biggest Surprise of the Year. Uh, I, I had a lot of thoughts for this one, and I, I wound up settling on a show instead of a moment or a character, but I could have gone so many directions. I'm curious, Diane, where did your mind go? I went to a moment, and I think that it's been thoroughly spoiled by um, pop culture at this point. You went for the moment that I think you went for. Can I just, can I I make a guess at what moment you went for here? An audio guess. Yes, please do. It's it's that scene, isn't it? It's that episode. Oh my god, it's so good to hear that music again. Isn't it? Isn't it? Makes <laughs> your skin crawl. Chills. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I went for. I could I couldn't. You know, I they're just. I thought about an um another show I love had a big surprise death, but that one really was the most the, the most surprising and the most epic. Um, and and yeah. the most well shot. I, I will still oh, yeah. I still get chills thinking of the succession boat scene that Mark Mylod shot using a series of like hidden cameras with hidden rolls of film to swap out so they could basically do a real time 20 plus minute tracking shot 
of these adult children losing someone very close to them. A masterful feat of storytelling. Oh, so good. And I, I truly, that was my first choice. When I began this list, I wrote that right there. And then I backed up and I went, well, there are other things that surprised me this year. And uh, in a way, uh, the passing of a major character on Succession was not as surprising as the entirety of Mrs. Davis on Peacock, which is my choice for biggest surprise of the year. Oh, I love this choice because I still haven't seen the show. Uh, and I everyone just says it's the best thing ever. What am I doing? Oh. A delightful show. Bonkers, weird, confident, uh, both philosophical and silly. And timing-wise, it's a whole show about AI that speaks to us and talks to us, and then we do what it says. The fact that they timed that so well, and that it was so perfectly prescient for this year. In, in some ways, I'm only uh, disappointed that it, it came out maybe like three months before AI was that mainstream. Like, uh, we all, uh, we all, we all remember uh, the <laughs> Joan is awful. Everyone remembers Netflix's Black Mirror's Joan is awful as the peak AI moment all of a sudden of pop culture this summer. But Mrs. Davis came first and Mrs. Davis did it better. You can't help but wonder if the reason that we remember that instead of Mrs. Davis is because it was on Netflix and Mrs. Davis was on Peacock. And I, 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 you know, I Peacock, Peacock, I Peacock Damon Lindelof, but I, I do think that that is part of the reason it's not the show that everyone's talking about. Yeah, Diane, I don't wonder if that's the reason. I confidently can state that's the reason. <laughs> And you know, that's kind of a disappointment for me because Mrs. Davis was so good. But that's not the only disappointment this year. We have a whole category called Biggest Disappointment. And I had trouble with this one. So I want you to go first, Diane. What was your biggest disappointment? Uh, I had a few. And for me, they were all in the form of cancellations. But I think the one that cut me most to the core was the other two being canceled after just three seasons. While I feel like they really suck the landing, I wanted more time with these characters. I wanted more laughs. And uh, it really, like, I'm, I'm still bummed thinking about it. Fair. Really fair. I, uh, I ultimately have a bunch of words with question marks at the end. But the first one that came to mind, uh, looking through shows we watched and discussed this year, is Amazon Citadel. A, an ostensibly great idea for a spy show helmed by the Russos with Stanley Tucci as your, like, cool, goofy tech guy character that I could not recommend less. No, yeah, you could skip that. You could skip it, yeah. Also on my short list, Bob Iger. What a disappointment Bob was this year. Yeah, agreed. And, controversially, Barry. Wait, was it a disappointment? I miss the funny Barry. I have to get I... that off my chest. We, the there golden, were still funny moments. Fun, but yes, which is why it's not my ultimate choice. But I will be honest, it was on my list. Okay. 
there were aspects of Barry that I was also disappointed with, but there were aspects of Barry that I think were breathtaking. So I'm torn. Very fair. Very fair. As was I, which is why we will move on to a more black and white category. Yes, it's time for the villain of the year. I think this one's a no-brainer. It's David Zaslav. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's a good choice. I I mean I I think that that is um that certainly the the story of the year as it relates to the strikes, right? Like yeah, um it's it's a, a real shame. He lived up to the villain in a sort of bumbling way, which I appreciate. Yeah. You know, he was a he was the humorous villain. He was kind of, if you will, uh, a Looney Tunes villain. But enough fun and games about the Zaz. If he's not your villain of the year, Diane, who or what is? I chose two. One real life and one uh, fictional. I hope that's okay. So my real life villain was uh, temporary. She's redeemed herself, but it was Drew Barrymore. I'm going with both Drews tonight. Uh, Drew Barrymore um, uh, choosing to do her show. Uh, I think that really helped resolve the strike because um, the backlash to her was so loud and overwhelming that they were like, oh, if people are going to turn on Drew Barrymore, if Drew Barrymore can be a villain in this climate, then um, we're going to need to resolve these strikes. So I I think that was a real turning point in the year. So I'm giving it to Drew for real people. And as far as fictional people go, um, this may be controversial I am going to do my best to avoid spoilers, but there was a a character turn for one of my favorite TV characters in HBO's Barry, uh, NoHo Hank, played by Anthony Kerrigan, in an episode called It Takes a Psycho, um, which involves his relationship with Cristobal Cifuentes. If you've seen the show, you know what happens. Um, That was a turn that I did not expect. I considered that moment for my biggest uh, surprise of the year. Uh, And I think just seeing such a lovable character go to such depths of ugliness and evil was really uh, satisfying for me as a viewer and heartbreaking. Mm. Great choice. Both very good choices. And, you know, Drew Barrymore and NoHo Hank, they're almost interchangeable. I look at them and I go, I can't tell which one's which. (laughs) I would watch NoHo Hank's daytime talk show. Oh, my God. I would love to. I would love to. (laughs) Okay. Speaking of things that we love, we are getting to some of the biggest categories here. And this one is Best Finale. And I will go first on Best Finale because you already gave some uh, plaudits to John Wilson. And my Mm. favorite finale of the year was the finale of How To with John Wilson. It was everything that show does well, and it was a perfect, pitch-perfect send-off for it. It brought a little tear to my eye. That's great. I think I I can't argue with that choice at all. Uh, Again, I wish we had more seasons of that show, though it seems to have gone out the way he wanted it to, and it went out strong, which is hard to do. Well said. Uh, And it was not the 
succession finale, which felt like too easy a choice. And and honestly, was not my favorite finale of the year. I, it was a great finale, but the how-to finale really does stick out to me. Uh, Diane, if you choose the succession finale, that's okay. It, it is very good. But what did you choose? I did choose the succession finale. I knew and it. I, I, I just don't think there's anything better. Like, I, maybe it's not the best episode of Succession ever, though it is a very, very good episode. Honestly, can I say, that, that's again. one of the reasons I didn't pick it, is it's not my favorite episode of Succession. It is a very good episode of Succession, but there are better episodes of Succession. I agree with that, but I think that that show is so much better than anything else out right now that, like, it's just not really competitive i mean there's a lot of great stuff on tv thank goodness i love my streaming but i think succession was just head and shoulders above the competition and so i it would be insincere of me to pretend that i liked anything else more than this final season and this final episode Uh, perfectly well said no no notes uh but speaking of notes I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there with this one. Speaking of notes, one of our final categories before we get to the biggest categories, your best pictures, if you will, this is a category called Best Thing You Watched This Year, Any Medium. And the reason I say speaking of notes is because this ironically turned into the year of the concert movie. And no, it's not Taylor Swift. That's not my choice. But in a, a far more hipster move, I went to see a uh, 4K remaster in IMAX of Stop Making Sense, the classic Talking Heads um, 1984 uh, concert movie. I, I've always, for a decade plus now, loved this movie. And the, the concert is one of my all-time favorite albums. To see it in theaters for the first time, let alone in stunning music and visual quality. Like, the quality was so good, especially given its age. But uh, in this year of what do movie theaters do to fill the post-pandemic sag in attendance, the strike-filled sag in attendance, the rise of concert movies turned out to be a delightful surprise for me. And I, I... truly cannot think of a better like 90 minutes I spent in front of a screen than sitting through Stop Making Sense. Ooh, that's such a great choice. I love that. And I think it also is a good point about two trends in the entertainment world that I'm happy about. One is that people are going to see concerts. People are loving concerts. It's a great time for concerts. I'm really thrilled to hear that um, because Uh, There seems to be any of that hesitation that people had about, you know, gathering again seems to be lost, at least for the world of concert going. Um, And also, uh, it was a really good year at the movies, even though these movie theater chains are struggling. um, There were popular movies that were actually good. There were also, you know, Marvel movies that came out, but uh, there were popular movies that were really well made and entertaining. And that is so exciting for me as a person who loves gathering in movie theaters almost as much as I love streaming at home. Almost. Uh, almost. But my my favorite thing I watched this year was Succession. And it just it just is. I, I tried to think of other things. And like I said last time, I would be lying. It's the best. It's the best. 
I think it will go down as one of the best TV shows ever created. And um, yeah. If you had asked me my the best TV show I watched this year or the best piece of fiction I watched this year, it would be the final season of Succession, hands down. It's just that's my medium. Mm. And it's a good one. It's a great one. There's nothing medium about that medium. <laughs> I agree. But will we agree about these final major categories that we are moving into? We are about to render judgment on some streaming services. Starting with the most overrated streaming service in 2023. Diane, you go first. I chose Netflix. I also chose Netflix. Next, the most underrated streaming service in 2023. Hulu? Excellent choice. I chose Paramount Plus with Showtime because they did have Mm -hmm. a string of very good content this year. Uh, But when you said Hulu, I hit the... Because honestly, case closed, I think you made a great argument there. It's so good, (laughs) Disney is trying to shove it into their app. No, it's better than Disney Plus. It is. It is. Oh, great choice. Well, that leads us to our uh, second to last category here. Uh, Streaming service you couldn't live without in 2023. And and why? For me, that was Max. It just had the the most... TV, the, the the most good content and the best content. Truly, for a villainous service run by a uh, mustache-twirling corporate villain, I love mm-hmm. to get down with some Max app. Need I remind you, not just do they have all of this excellent HBO content we've been talking about. They also launched CNN Max this year, which is a surprisingly good news streaming service bundled in with your existing Max subscription. If anyone can bear to watch the news, I applaud you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, it's God's work. I know. I'm, I'm trying. I just need some time with Jake Tapper before I settle down with Wheel <laughs> of Fortune and then go to bed at 8 p.m. because I am old. You should get cable. (laughs) No, we render judgment against that. Objection. (laughs) But that brings us to our final topic, our prediction. And this one hmm, could be dicey. We'll have to see how we do a year from now. But the question is, which streaming service is least likely to survive 2024? Uh, I I made you go first the last three times. I will take this one first. I picked it as an underrated streaming service, but I am going to say Paramount Plus, with or without Showtime, is in a precarious place. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think there's a high likelihood of some sort of sale happening. A fire sale, perhaps. (laughs) Oh my god! We're having a fire sale! Uh, With with all those properties. So um, I I think that the idea that it would get through the year in in its current form seems unlikely, but I'm rooting for it because there's some good content. And I I chose Peacock because we looked at the numbers mere weeks ago and Paramount Plus has like twice as many viewers as Peacock, or subscribers, I should say, has, uh, and, that that 30 million for Peacock doesn't seem like enough to stand alone, but I 
don't know what would happen to it to make it end right now. Yeah, that is where I drew the line because my my first thought was Peacock uh, for all the reasons you just described, but uh, Comcast, which owns NBC Universal, which owns the Shine Hardwig Company, which owns Peacock, uh, they just proudly inked the deal to sell off the remainder of Hulu to Disney. And in their statements around that, they really touted how Peacock is and always intentionally has been their replacement for Hulu. That the idea behind Peacock when it launched about three years ago was we need our own streaming platform because we are eventually going to pull out of the Hulu partnership. That, that writing has been on the wall for years now. And I think it is too soon for Peacock to pull the plug because they just got to this point of now it we're all in on Peacock. And so I think if you frame this question as streaming service least likely to survive 2025, mm-hmm. I would answer Peacock. But I think they've got a full year behind them. And Comcast as a company isn't in the precarious financial position that Paramount is. And, you know, so the, the pressure isn't there yet. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And I'm cheering for Peacock. Uh, I, I like a lot of their content. I also think it's hard to say where this will end until we know more about where uh, different like sports streaming rights land, um, because I think that could be a big game changer. Yeah, a game changer, if you will. We'll talk more about that in 2024. Uh, the story of 2023, last year in the superlatives, we did what is the news story that best captured the year. We didn't need to do that this year because it was obviously the strikes. But I think mm-hmm. the story of 2024 will be sports rights. And uh, Netflix just announced Rafael Nadal is going to be doing a live uh, competition, uh, uh, some kind of slam, they're calling it, a Netflix slam in March of 2024, live from Las Vegas. Mind you, the last live sporting event from Las Vegas on Netflix didn't go so great for Netflix, but they are trying again. And I I do think sports are a a game changer, as you said, that could really uh, shake up these streaming service power rankings in 2024. And Peacock is better poised than others, especially with the the inclusion of NBC Sports as an existing entity, a cable channel, a whole cable channel for NBC Sports that gives them some leverage in the sports uh, distribution world. Agreed. And I think it's also interesting that they have rights to some things that we might not think of as traditional sports, but like uh, UFC and and wrestling, um, that those will also become uh, important contracts moving forward. Uh, we're going to need to do like a um, training montage of the two of us learning how sports. to <laughs> learning sports, learning <laughs> sports metaphors, at least so we can get something beyond, um, you know, game changer. We'll get there. We'll we'll have some new cheap metaphors and cliches that better encapture late the world of sports. I am so bad at talk Touchdown. sports. Goal, period, quarter. My brain shuts down when you try to make me talk sports. But there's always hope for 2024.
game over. Isn't that what they say in Sportsland? There's always next season? There's always next season. That's slightly better than Game Changer. I'll take it. I love it. And you know what else we love, listeners? You for listening to us. If you have enjoyed this year of Streamageddon, or even this just this episode of Streamageddon, we're not picky. Tell us. And then, more importantly, tell a friend to find us. Like, subscribe, follow, whatever the word you use is. We're on all the big podcasting platforms as Streamageddon. Rate us, leave a review, and then write to us at podcast at streamageddon.com. Until then, it's time to say case closed on 2023. And as always, until we see you in 2024, you can keep streaming. Keep streaming. We'll work on it next year. They're all winners in my book.